You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. We're going to be in John chapter 15, verses 18 through 27. I'll read it, and then Pastor Bill's going to come and preach to us in the midst of our series on the Holy Spirit. John chapter 15, verses 18 through 27. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the, wor- the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of their sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes from whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father, he will bear witness about me and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. This is God's word. As David said, we're in a series on the Holy Spirit and um, I chose this passage today because we, we are now in the place of talking about the various functions of the Holy Spirit. And uh, one of those functions of the Holy Spirit is that of helper, uh, paraclete, and uh, comforter. Uh, These are words that you hear when people talk about uh, the Holy Spirit as one who helps uh, others. And um, I chose this passage because I want to talk out of the context of this passage to, to you today about this Holy Spirit who helps us, this Holy Spirit who is a comforter to us. For a lot of you this morning, maybe you were like me and you rose out of bed and the first thing you did was grab your phone. Most of you do that anyway. Uh, But today you did it for the purpose of finding out just how cold it is outside. And when I turned my phone on and looked at the temp for Sioux Falls, it was minus two degrees. And what I did at that moment, I actually, this is no lie, I actually moved my alarm from where it was about to go off to 30 minutes beyond that put my phone back down, reached down and got my comforter and I pulled it up over me and I snuggled in and I laid there and closed my eyes and said, God, please make me go back to sleep. There is something that we enjoy about feeling like cuddled. There's something that we enjoy about warm, fuzzy feelings. There's something that we enjoy about This is a moment that everything else will just go away and I can just be by myself and I can just be warm and okay and I don't have to think about anything else. And unfortunately, we in the church have oftentimes been sort of led to believe that that is the way the Holy Spirit works. That the Holy Spirit is this kind of warm fuzzy that you just reach and pull up over you and it just makes you feel better because you just want to feel better or you just need to feel better for a little while or you just want to escape or you just want to get away and I I believe that the Holy Spirit is exactly the opposite of that the Holy Spirit was not given to you so that you have an escape room experience you can't get away you can't run from the things that are all around you 
but the Holy Spirit comes to comfort you inside of your world, inside of the life that you are living, inside of both the triumphs and the defeats, the opportunities and the challenges, the amazing, wonderful, celebrated moments, as well as those that are dismaying to the thought. And so I'm asking you today to consider with me this wonderful piece of the Holy Spirit that is a comforter, a a helper, if you will, and how we might look at that. So for a few minutes, I just want to talk to you about that. One pastor tells a I think it's a funny story. It is to me. Uh, I have a son who's a Marine, so I identify a little bit with what, what he's saying here based on just that. Um, but uh, an experience that he had years and years ago uh, when he was in the Coast Guard in boot camp uh, out in California. And he says that when they were in boot camp, all of these guys came in on these buses. You know, they bust them all in. And so they all get out from all their different walks of life and situations and circumstances. And he says that one guy showed up at boot camp uh, with his water skis and a fishing pole. Um, and everybody's just like, oh my God, what is, what is this? You know, what is wrong with, with this guy? But what had happened is that a recruiter had told him that this boot camp was on an island. True. And that you could water ski. True. And that you could fish in the surrounding areas of the island. True, if you is understood to mean a person, technically, could do these sorts of things, that's true. But if you meant this guy personally being able to do those things, that was the farthest thing from imagination. All right, he had come for boot camp. But the, the, the recruiter just kind of conveniently failed to inform him fully, all right? And this recruit obviously was a very naive individual, um, but what he didn't say to the young man was that from the first day of boot camp, they issue you a uniform and they make you ship home everything else that you bring along with you, including your shampoo, because in the next step, they're going to cut all your hair off and you ain't going to need it. (laughs) And so... He failed to say to this young man, now suddenly another entity owns you. And they have possession of you day and night, 24-7. And so they can call you up at any moment of time and put you in formation regardless of the weather or other circumstances or whatever in your life. Now, if that recruit had been told anything close to the truth, he might not have signed up. And obviously this maybe somewhat sketchy recruiter knew that and didn't tell him the truth, all right? Here's a problem with some Christian recruiters. Sometimes we call them evangelists. (laughs) They give you a part of the story. They want very much for you to sign up, all right? I do too. All right, don't miss this. I want you to, if you haven't signed up yet, we're going to give you an opportunity at the end of the service today to make that decision to sign up for the kingdom of God. 
All right, we don't miss that in this church at all. We are so gospel-centered and so missionally centered that we, we don't miss the opportunity to share that, that beautiful, wonderful, amazing gospel story with you. And that will happen at the end of the service today. But here's what I want you to understand is that we are not going to miss telling you the whole story because the whole story needs to be told. And I really believe that that's what is happening in John 15 as Jesus is talking to these followers. And he's saying to them, the comforter is going to come. I'm I'm going to send the comforter. I have to go away. But I I will send you a helper. I will send you this this paraclete, we call it, okay? I, I, I will... I will make sure that you are taken care of, that your needs are met along the way. And so Jesus speaks about this. And he says, this this is an advocate for you. Now, Jesus is our advocate as well. And Jesus is spoken of as the advocate, the one who intercedes for you and I. But he's saying, I'm going away. And when I go away, then I will send this comforter, this helper, if you will. All right? And he will be your parakletos. He will be the one who is with you. He is the one who is coming along beside you. He is the one who is administering comfort and consolation to you. All right. Now, I want you to understand, we see God and we understand God as the great comforter. All right. God comforts us in all places of comfort. And he has done that In essence, by sending Christ to forgive us of our sins, to die on the cross, forgive us of our sins, and and to right the relationship with God. That is the greatest place of comfort, to know that we are reconciled to the Father. But then he sends the Holy Spirit as well to comfort us. And when we are having troubles and we are having difficulties and our hearts are broken and we're in turmoil or we're in chaos or whatever the case may be, when we find out and fully realize that we've been deeply rejected and we are suffering the bitter fruits of that in terms of relationships and decision-making and all those kinds of things, we have this Father to run to. As a matter of fact, the Bible says we can go boldly to the throne room. All right? We can go to our Heavenly Father. And and rightly so. And Jesus gives such a beautiful picture of this place of comfort before he uh, rolls into Jerusalem um, towards uh, the the time when he will be crucified. And he's on the mountainside and... The the scriptures describe the scene as one where Jesus is looking down on Jerusalem. Now, if you look down on Jerusalem from one of those perspectives, what you will see is you will see the temple and you will see the smoke rising from the temple and and you will know that there are are dedicated people uh, who are there and they are praying and they 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 are calling on the name of God. But Jesus says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Would I not have comforted you? Would would I not have reached to you? And he describes it this way. As a hen would gather her chicks. In other words, would I not have put my arms out around you and gathered you into me? But in your religion and your worldliness, you did not 
see me. You did not acknowledge me. You did not call on me. And it says that Jesus wept over the city. We see these kind of places and we understand the Father's heart. We understand the love of the Father. And I in no way want to rob anyone of that today. Some of you need that desperately in this moment. You came in here today needing the Father's love. You need the Father's heart gathering around you. You need his spiritual arms gathering around you. And so we don't dismiss any of those places where you have felt pain, whether that's in in rejection or abuse or other kinds of things in your life. You need to feel that comfort from the Father. But I think when... When Jesus talks here in John about leaving and sending the helper and sending this this comforter, this paraclete, I think there's so much more here than simply God wanting to put his arms around you and hold you. And I think that we need to tell the whole story. I, I think we need to present this in the way in which Jesus presents it. And these verses here that David read to you today, if we're not careful, they can present some kind of like very sober, even almost grim kind of picture, except that we know what has gone on before. And so we enjoy the love and the joy of Christ, according to John 15. And and, and we enjoy the fellowship and and membership in the body of Christ. We have a loving family of God that we connect with. And I'm of the opinion that that is is highly worth talking about and and, uh, celebrating in Life Church because we very much are a family. We very much are a a close-knit community, if you will, all right? But I think we need to be prepared for the reality so that shock doesn't hit us in the reality that if we are of Christ and God is our Father and we are on mission for the kingdom, the reality is, my friend, you and I are going into a world that hates us. You may feel the ting of rejection. You may feel the sting of some kind of abandonment in your life now. But I'm going to tell you what, the enemy will use your relationships and your attempts to do mission in the earth as an opportunity to try to sting you again. Because what Jesus says is, the world hated me, and the world will hate you. As a matter of fact, the world hates my father. And so we have to think, okay, what Jesus is saying to us isn't, like the motive of the recruiter. He's saying, I want you to understand the kind of world that you live in. I want you to understand the kind of hostility that that you live in. And so those verses 18 through 25 there, uh, he is talking about this place of where there is hatred against those who actually love Jesus. And I think you and I need to to understand that and realize that and weigh that out as we are seeking how we might be comforted and how we might be helped by the Spirit. I don't want you and I to be people who duck and run. I don't don't want you to be a person who is overwhelmed by the reality that we are in a difficult and adverse world out there. Because, see, you and I have been called to be light in that darkness. You and I have been called to be on mission when Jesus left. He says, I want you to go and make disciples. 
but he's already said in, in John 15, but when I go, I'm not going to leave you alone. And in that moment on the mountainside, when he gave them this great commission, he says, I want you to go and I will be with you even to the end of the age. And so what he's saying is there is, there is a Holy Spirit that is coming, a helper, an advocate, a paraclete, if you will, who is coming along beside you and will be there at your defense to in those times encourage you and to help you and to build you up, to guide you in truth, to dwell in you, to convict the world of sin, to affirm righteousness in you, to teach you all of these kinds of things. And we'll talk, we'll parse more of these things out as we go. And what you're going to start to realize is that as we go further into this, a lot of these, these functions and the, the, the fruit and the gifts all start to merge and they all start to, to fold in and, 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 and run together and they become very fluid together. And so this morning, I want you to understand that you are indeed, if you are a follower, if you are a believer, you are on mission. And on that mission, you will encounter adversity. On that mission, there will be those who, because they hated the Father and they hated the Son, they will hate you. Because what they see in you is the Father and the Son. And the message you bring is the message of Christ. See, the Holy Spirit says that he will testify of Christ. And so the Holy Spirit working through your life and my life begins to testify of this Jesus and so that's why Jesus says in verse 18, if the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. And so this helps us because then we begin to understand that, that this hatred isn't projected on us based on just us. But it is the God that we represent, the God that lives in us and through us is what is hated and will be. And so you and I will not be different than those who have gone before us. You and I will not be different than those who lived and walked in the time of Christ. And so when he talks about this with his followers and his disciples, he is talking about the church. He is talking about all of us through the ages until he returns again and sets all things right. And so you and I today... We have, to, we have to clear up this misconception of the Holy Spirit as being just this warm blanket we can pull up over us on a cold morning. But this Spirit is here for purpose. This Spirit is here with real intentionality. And let me just clarify that a little further for you and I, all right? Let me, let me help you to understand a couple of things about, about this, this world hatred that I'm talking about. And I know these are... These are really intense terms that I'm using today, but I want, you to, I want you to grasp this. I want you to understand this as those who are being called in and brought into relationship with Christ. Hatred or love for Jesus Christ is what will either divide us or unite us. Note the contrast between verse 17 and verse 18. Christians are to be known for their love. But the world is actually known for its hatred. And of course, what Jesus is talking about here as the world is this sort of organized system under Satan's domain that, that is opposed to God and Christ is the rightful king. 
But Jesus draws this contrast here. Uh, he does it in, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, when he says it even more clear to us, I think, when he says, we know that we are of God. We have this, this knowledge, but we also have this confidence that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. It's his domain. So we are in a warfare. We are in a ba- on a battlefield. But this isn't a place where you and I gather on Sunday morning and we, we get our, our pseudo-swords and bring them in and pull them out and rattle them and all of that and go, yeah, we're, you know, we're on the front line, we're on the battlefield, only to have something come against us in real life that literally overwhelms us and then it's like, no, I just want to be hugged right now. I want to be that, that little child. I want to crawl up in Abba Father's lap and I just want to stay there. The intent of Christ, my friend, is that you and I are constantly on this track of maturity and growing. And this is what we started out with early on in the series, is that the intent of the Holy Spirit is to make you more like Jesus and less of yourself. And so you and I should continually see these marks of growth. We should continually see this development that is taking place in our lives where we are becoming more and more and more and more like Jesus. And the reality is that if you live in this obedience to Christ, you become a threat. You and I become a threat to, to sinners, unbelievers, That may be in your family, that may be at school, that may be at work. Because a godly lifestyle will expose sin. I'm not calling on you and I'm not trying to paint a picture to you that we are now the the appointed set up judges. I want you to live in the tree of life, not in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This isn't about you and I suddenly getting a list and we have all the good things and all the bad things and so we pull it out with with every relationship and we start to to tick off those things on each side, weigh it out, see how a person measures up and then give them some kind of assessment spiritually of where they are. This is not what we're talking about at all. But I think what Jesus is saying, when you are like me, it has a direct conflict with the system of the world. And when you are like me, that likeness exposes the sin of that world. When you are like me, you are that light that comes into that darkness and opens it up and displays it before all. And my friend, that will put you and I at odds with the world. And I will tell you this, and this is a strong statement and I realize that as I'm saying it, but I, won't, I, I will stand before God and I will give an account as well as you will. But here's the reality. If your life is being lived in such a way that the world does not see the difference, I'm not sure you're a follower of Christ. And if that is where you are living and you are on that edge or on that precipice of where your life lines up so much with the world that there is question as to whether or not you are a follower of Christ, you probably are not a follower of Christ. And at that place, you need to let the Holy Spirit in. And you and I need to be people who shine. We need to be people who live a life that is different and set apart. I'm not talking about being weird and being strange and being odd. 
I'm simply saying that in the midst of life with the people that you do life with, that there is this sense that there is an identity that is sharp and clear and solid and, and is, is anchored in the life and the character of Jesus Christ. And if you and I are not there, God has not moved, we have. And so I challenge you to let the Holy Spirit bring that conviction the Holy Spirit comes along beside you to affirm you, to hold you, to love you, to comfort you, but at the same time to expose you to your ability to change. And he does that by helping you to see where Christ is and where truth is and where you are and where the alignment needs to come. And that is the great work of the Spirit in our lives. And so we need to run towards the Holy Spirit, not from the Holy Spirit, because we need the Holy Spirit in our lives if we're going to do this. All right? What I, what I, I want to leave, I think, most with you today is that you are different from a very wonderful, unique perspective and that is that you are in this world, but Christ has called you out of this world. Not to lift you from it or help you to escape from it. This next statement that I'm going to make to you may offend some of you, but I want you to think, all right? I want you to think about this and think about it in your own context. If you're the Christian who simply goes to the Christian coffee shop and you have the Christian right equipment and you have the Christian right dress and you only hang out with all the other Christians and you only go to the school you go to because it's a Christian school and you only want to be around Christians at church and so you live this life, you've come a long way from center and where God wants you to be if that's the way you are living. That is escapism. That is saying, I don't want to be touched by the world. Jesus isn't saying that you won't be touched by the world. He's saying you'll be hated by the world. But he's saying, I've called you to a different place. I've called you to a different life. I've called you to a different identity. But you are in this world. And you're in this world for purpose. You're in this world for mission. So he's not saying, hey, if it gets rough, don't worry. Just, you know, pull the red card and I'll come grab you. That's not the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is to mature you and to give you the confidence and the boldness and the understanding and the ability to pull on the truth of God when it's needed so that you can be effective on mission for the Lord Jesus Christ. And even when that mission gets tough, when that mission gets difficult or challenging, you need to be able to say, you know what? I have a different calling in my life. I'm not just to be another guy on the block, another girl on the corner. I'm not just to be someone who's at the coffee shop just hanging out. I'm not to be trendy like the world is trendy but I'm to be a person who is resolute in my identity and my calling that has been given to me through the power of the Holy Spirit. And now I can live in a world that is evil, but not be of that world, 
and I can be like Christ. And so we have a different knowledge. We have a different base from that we work from. We know the Father, but the world doesn't know the Father. And that needs to be the peace that drives us beyond our own comfort, beyond our own security, and beyond our own satisfaction. I have been blessed to be a blessing. We say this often in Life Church. My purpose is to bless someone else. If all I'm doing is going to find the blessed brother and it's blessed brother to blessed brother and we're just going to be a blessing and we're just going to have a blessing. Well, that's just a blessing, all right? Well, not so much so, my friend. Let me tell you something. We've both been blessed to join shoulder to shoulder with the rest of you to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ into our neighborhood, our city, and beyond. That is the calling that we have. And we have been blessed to, to see that there are those out there who do not know the Father. And they may not understand us. They, they may not accept us. But we are called for his name's sake to go into all the world and to make disciples. And so you and I have to live out of this identity that is, is deeply rooted in who we are in Christ. Who we are with the Father as, as joint heirs with the Son. We live in that identity, but we also live on mission. We live in the reality that we have been put in this world for purpose. And that purpose is that you and I would make him known to those who do not know him. And that we would live like him in that work, in that effort. All right. So in spite of the world's hatred, we should never respond with retaliation or with like hatred there are times, I know, I, I get it, folks. I, I'm not up here trying to, to, to be some kind of cheesy guy who's saying, yeah, you just got to go, and then I, I, I don't go. I've been out there in that world like you have, and I understand that rejection. I understand that abandonment that comes. Believe me, I do understand that very deeply in my own family when one is, is abandoned and cut off for years from someone that you love so deeply. But because of Christ, they won't have anything to do with you. I understand how that happens. I understand the hurt and the pain of that. But what I'm saying to you is that beyond that, there is a hope that we have in God through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will strengthen you and I and comfort us in that place in who we are and our mission that we are on so that we can do this work of the kingdom. So I'm not up here telling you something that, that, that I haven't experienced or that I haven't lived on some level, maybe not as deep or challenging as some of you have, but some of you, my friend, I, I believe, I'm confident, some of you are going on the mission field in some of these nations where you will be hated, you will, you will be rejected, you will live in danger uh, and peril of your very life, and you will need this advocate, you will need this comforter, you will need this helper to be in your life. And so we need here and now to develop this relationship with the Holy Spirit so that we can live this out. Because I'm going to tell you something. If we understand the heart of the Spirit, the way the Scriptures identify Him, John 15, 26, when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, identifies Him. That is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, just like the Father sent me, 
He comes from the Father as well. We are one. We are the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay? So in that place, though, what does he do? Jesus says, he will testify of me. My friend, if you are filled with the Spirit of God, you will testify of the Christ. You will not be a secret weapon waiting to be used someday, somewhere, somehow. But your life will be marked by a testimony. We talk about that in the discipleship process here at Life Church in D groups. It's talked about and trained. And when you go out and share with others, people of peace, people who are open and, and receiving of, of, of your witness, you say, okay, this is where I was. This is how I lived. This is how I thought or, or responded or behaved or reacted or whatever. But now that I know Jesus, this is how it has changed. I was a person of fear. I'm talking about me personally now. I was a person of great fear. But now I have more confidence and more faith in who I am in Christ. I was a person who battled severe rejection and abandonment in childhood, but I am a person who is confident that I am fully accepted of Christ today. And the words I speak are not my own, but they are the words of the Lord. They are the truth of, of God. It is not for me to be afraid to be rejected by the world. And I can walk out there into that world and declare the righteousness of God, knowing full well of who I am in Christ. I could not have done that years ago. I was a guy who, even after I knew Jesus, uh, battled fear and, and, and battled a uh, lack of confidence and a, a, a lack of, of, of uh, feeling accepted. I, I still felt like a defect. And so when I felt called to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, every time I had to get up in the pulpit for the first three years of my life, I puked every morning. Sorry, that sounds really awful. But I threw up every Sunday morning when I had to go and preach. All right? Uh, because I, it, it, it was hard but what I'm telling you is that, that as I have grown and as I have matured, God has been faithful, and that is my witness, that is my testimony. And you have a witness, you have a testimony, and the Holy Spirit will testify through you, through your life, as you are going forward. Because Christ's disciples testify about Him. Verse 27, He says, after verse 26, He, he says, He will testify about me, Jesus then is saying, and you also will testify of me because you have been with me. And I believe that that echoes down the ages to you and I as well. It wasn't just for the 12. It wasn't for a select few. It wasn't for unique people. It wasn't for a certain personality profile. It wasn't certain giftings. You and I, all of us, here today, we have been called to testify of Christ. And we can only do that when we are filled with the Spirit of God and the Holy Spirit is working through us. The Bible says, or Paul says in the Bible, I'm dead. Well, we know the obvious, and he then says it, but I'm alive. But then he explains it. But it's not me that's living. Even though I am alive, I am not in control. Even though I am alive, I am not dominant in this life that I am living. Even though I am alive, there is an aspect of me that has died. So it's not me that's living. But it's Christ 
that is living through me. How is that possible? Through the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. He lives and he testifies of Christ and no other. And so you and I are marked as believers by this life of a testimony for Christ in the, admit, in the midst of adversity and hatred. We live that it's Christ living through us. This may be a lot of new stuff for you today. Or this may be just a place of reckoning today, of revelation that, oh my goodness, I, I thought I was, I'm not. <laughs> it may be a place of just, hey, I realize the Holy Spirit is really speaking to me right now. And I just, I need to move. I, I haven't been living this, this life. I haven't been walking this walk the way that I should, though I've talked it. So I, I, need, I need to move, all right? We're going to help you to do that right here in just a moment, okay? The beginning place for a relationship with Christ is for you to, to receive him as your Savior. And we're going to do that right now. Oh, there it is. Kayla's going to come and she is going to share this wonderful gospel story with you. Please open your hearts and let the Holy Spirit speak to you right now. So we speak of the Holy Spirit as the comforter. And I think for those of you who have been comforted, you know that those who comfort best are those who understand pain and suffering. And our God is one who understands pain and suffering. God the Father created the world um, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and he created us to live with him, to enjoy his presence. And given the choice, we chose our own selfish ways instead of choosing him. And because of that, sin entered the world. We were separated from God, but God did not let that pain consume him. He did not let the story end there. This God came near to us. He came through Jesus the Son, who took on flesh, who became human. And we all know that that's not always a great and happy, joyful thing. This Jesus suffered. He faced hardships, he was rejected, he was despised, and he was murdered. Um, he suffered death. And the story doesn't end there, because if the story ended there, there would be no good news. But the good news is that God the Father raised Jesus. Jesus rose from the dead, and he ascended into heaven. And while we're waiting for him to return, we're just not stuck on our own. We have this Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit will comfort us in all of the hardship and all of the pain that we face until Jesus comes back. Because Jesus is coming back and he will restore the world and all will be made well. And that is good news. Um, so if this is the first time that you're hearing that, um, we would love to be able to talk about that with you more. It's a lot. That was a few sentences, but there's a lot packed into that. Um, so don't navigate that on your own. We have a um, prayer team that's going to come up, and they are people you can trust. You can talk with them about things that you're experiencing. They're not going to go home and post it on social media or tell anyone else um, because they want to pray for you, they want to love you, um, and they want you to know that you're known and you're cared for. So that's what they're here for. I'll invite them up. I will pray. And you are um, dismissed quietly, either to come talk to them or to head out and enjoy your afternoon. God, we thank you for who you are. 
God, we thank you that you love us, um, that you did not leave us to our own selfish ways, but that you have come near to us. And God, we thank you that you are the one who can comfort us. I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would continue to teach us what that means, that we would understand more and more of the fullness of your goodness, um, and that we would understand more of the gospel because of who you are. We thank you for today. Um, We love you. We praise you, and we pray all these things in your name. Amen.